is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to our second part of our season review. Uh, coming at you, as always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, uh, we did uh, part one, uh, which should have dropped the day before this. Uh, talking about moments of the season and awards of the season. I think, you know, Nick, for the most part, it, it went quite well. Uh, so I'd always tell people if you haven't listened to it, they don't go in chronological order. All right. So you can go back and listen to it after this. Uh, but this one is going to be all about player by player, giving them the ratings one through 10. This will surely uh, end terribly. I can only imagine. <laughs> It'll end. It'll end the way all these pods do, uh, which is with a lot of controversy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you think about our normal end-of-season pod schedule, this will predate the keep-sell loan, the patented keep-sell loan. Uh, home of we'll the keep-sell loan. <laughs> home of the – yeah. So, so the, but, but it sets the table, right? It gives us a chance to, I think, properly and uh, post-Porto uh, afterglow – uh, rate these players uh, in the best way that we can in a holistic way, uh, looking at their whole season performance. And so that, you know, there may be some grades on here that are a little lower than you thought or a little higher than you thought. Write us in, tweet us, let us know that you, you think you're different. But we did put out polls so that everyone could could have their say. And so we'll have the audience uh, results in here as well. Well, I mean, and, and the important part is there's a cutoff. So we did a thousand minutes across all competitions as Joe Tweeds and I were putting together some of this preparation. So players like Emerson Palmieri and Billy Gilmore do not get a grade because they were uh, below that mark. So, uh, you know, Joe, I mean, I think we, we've got a wonderful list of 24 players to get through, uh, 24 players, managers and uh, the club as a whole. So uh, we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think some of them are going to be quite controversial. And uh, yeah, <laughs> did in, you change in the la- your score yeah. on the first one? I just saw that. Yeah, yeah, I changed my score. So uh, I, I thought I'd go in big to start with. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, here's the deal. We're, we're the key to all this. And to be fair, someone said on Twitter is recency bias will ruin this. So I did it, and then I went back after sleeping and did it again to try to recalibrate and some things like that. So I think that this might be uh, uh, a challenge. So again, if you feel like we have too much recency bias with uh, Chelsea having just won the European Championship, in case you missed it, uh, champions of Europe, we know what we are, uh, let us know. But let's kick it off. Go right at the top of the list. Um, we're going most important position to least important position per usual. Just like when you read a lineup, you start with the goalkeeper. Uh, Kepa Aritha Balaga. Uh, I'm going to rip through these. I said five. Dan said six. Nick said six. Audience said six. Right. We're all right in that gap. Uh, Joe Tweed said one. So <laughs> one. Um, I think our general sentiment was he didn't have to do much, but he didn't mess it up. Joe one. OK, so I've taken the approach with my ratings here to not be super logical in some cases. Um, <laughs> Hyper emotional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is this is massively based on emotion and sentiment. Um, as we were kind of going through the uh, the sort of the, the season review pod, it struck me just how irritated I was after the FA Cup final when the the Spanish T Rex flew through the air 
at uh, Tielemann's shop with his sort of small kind of tiny arms um, and and kind of cost us the, the final. I, mean, I know that's a little bit harsh, but, you know, the one save that he had to make in the entire time this season, really, um, in a big, big, important game that I don't think he should have started, um, you know, his little, you know, 30 centimetre long, one foot arms didn't do the job. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm being sensible, he's probably a five or six, but just for that one moment alone, you know, the what the most important moment that he had in the season, he was nowhere. And it just it just brought back memories of as everything that, that we'd kind of seen with him in the past. So one is a little bit harsh, but it, it was better than zero, which is maybe what I was probably going with as well after the game. Yeah, at one point he had a negative and then deleted it and just went with a one. So to, I, look, to be fair, that's actually, a, I think, a really good point. At the end of the day, you're in a cup final. You had one save to make. You didn't make it, albeit it was a bit of a banger. Uh, that's the one we needed, and he didn't show up for it. Uh, Edouard Mendy, uh, I had a nine. Dan had a nine. Tweets had a nine. Nick had a nine. I thought, Nick, you had a good point here. You said, if you hold the record for clean sheets in the Champions League, you get an A-plus from me. So, audience had 8.9. I think there's not a lot of concern here. Uh, no, I mean, t- 10 is perfect, right? You know, let, let's think about the scale that we're that we're up against here. 10 is a perfect player. It's the N'Golo Conte level award. Uh, spoiler alert for that. Uh, but I, I think he was just about as good as you can be without being perfect. And that was... You know, against you know signing the season, whatever. I mean, he he was he was on it. Yeah, I almost and I didn't use it quite like this, but I had like two ways to look at the scale. It was like ten, you would never ever sell one, get him out of the club as fast as you can. Then you have ten of like literally best player in the world. One, should you be playing football professionally? There's kind of <laughs> oh two God. scales here. So oh if God. I just throw that out there and now Joe's got a one for Kepa, I mean... I feel better you know. about my Kepa grading at this point. <laughs> oh, my God. Marcos Alonso, as we move out of the goal box. Uh, I put a five. Dan had six. Tweets had a three. Nick said seven for his goals alone. And audience had it at a 6.1. So um, I think based on what we heard about Kepa, I can understand Tweets is three, but... Uh, Dan, you're six, kind of ab- above above a, a 50% mark. Look, you know, again, it, it's hard to grade anyone who is part of the success of this team this season, I think, too harshly. Um, I mean, I, I, outside of Joe, I don't think anybody else has leveraged the one, twos, threes, and fours as heavily as he has in this rating scale. Um, so maybe our rating scale should have just been a one through five. Um, one, one, one through seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but look, I mean, you know, he ha- had a interesting start to the season. There was the incident with the bus. He came back under Tuchel and had a few moments where he looked sharp before getting displaced by Chowell again. He helped push Chowell to be better because competition breeds success. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give him a little credit for that. So that that's where I went with next. He so, might be our most clinical finisher. True. I like Backup how he, striker next season. I like how he got credit for making the starter better, but I, I suppose. Uh, Andreas Christensen, uh, I had seven. Dan had eight. Tweeds, eight. Nick, eight. Audience joints, 7.8. So super consistent. I was on the low end. Weird when it comes to Christensen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I said, you know what? I gave him credit thriving as a center back, moving to right center back. Uh, he showed up. I, I would say that... Maybe this is like unfair. Uh, he didn't do anything exciting. Um, as a center back, he didn't offer anything from like an offensive goal threat on set pieces. 
So to me, it's like he's a is seven is a solid, solid player. Eight nines, that's where you start to see, you know, the the differences. So I just felt like an eight was one step beyond for him. I can't wait to celebrate his first goal contribution next season. Like oh, it, it has to be coming with the <laughs> upward trend of his form. He finally needs to get a, a goal here. Hey, it's it's something that we would definitely welcome if he could pull it off. Uh, Tiago Silva, eight from my eight and a half from Dan, nine from Tweeds. Nick, you had eight. Um, you know, he had the red card. He had some injuries. I love that he's extended his contract. Tweeds, for you to have him at a nine, one Ooh, yeah. off of a perfect ten. Ooh. Yeah, I, I gave him a nine because I think Tiago is the intangibles and I think the 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 quality and sort of the the presence that he brought to the team. I think performance wise he was probably between a seven and a half and an eight for me. But I gave him an extra point because I think he's largely responsible for the 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 kind of the mentality or the turnaround that I think the back, the kind of defense has sort of shown. Um, as a central figure in that back three, the way that he marshals people through games. And I recall Reese James talking about the amount that he would talk to him. And because his English isn't that great, the fact that he developed such a simple system with those around him, mine, yours, like literally is the communication. Um, and the fact that it was so seamless. Um, I think that was a big important thing. And the, and the other thing I would say is from speaking with people around the club, he really did raise the, the the standards and the acceptable standards for those in training. And I think that's such an important part to, to bring in is it's always, yep, you know, performance wise, but I think from a culture standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a standards standpoint, I think Thiago, he got an extra point for that off the field work for me. There, there's two incidents that I would highlight about just his impact and what he's brought to the, the club. One, if you watch the unseen footage about the Champions League final, him acting as like the assistant manager or assistant yeah. coach was phenomenal. But then the celebrations against Atletico Madrid with him, Mason and Jorginho in the stands, like he plugged in and absorbed what it means to be Chelsea in a way that most people. People coming from the outside, and I think this speaks to his professionalism, just don't get, right? A lot of people sign for it. It's a club. It's a job. And it so quickly blossomed into this this romance, essentially, between Silva and Chelsea. And it, it was really special. I, I don't think we've seen something like it in quite some time. Well, and I, I would say, like, he, you know, being 36 years old, <laughs> being, you know, potentially past his prime... Uh, he adapted to the Premier League extremely quick, yeah. Uh, which I think is yeah, which is also something that he should get bonus points for as well. He literally hit the ground running a back four and a back five, so his on the field and off the field, he was a massive asset, which is I think why we all had him at an eight or or better. Uh, Antonio Rudiger, I had an eight hashtag hustle. Dan had eight and a half. Tweeds with a nine. Nick with an eight. You said when he played, he was on it audience yeah, at eight my, and a half yeah they split the difference right i mean like i i think it's hard to give a nine when he didn't play for half the season yeah <laughs> you know i i think that's my only kind of nitpick on, on that one joe for for you is like you know he was certainly on it w when he played but it, you know if, if you weren't good enough to get into the team for half the season that's a, a bit of a weird one for me yeah I'm, I'm definitely going with it there's there's quite a bit of second half bias here in my score mm -hmm. um absolutely the one thing I would say is that for a player that for basically three and a half seasons at Chelsea, I don't think he's been chronically bad, but he's been very underwhelming, I would say. To go from that level to 
I think me, I think probably considering to be in that position, maybe one of the best centre-backs in world football, certainly second half of the season, that that delta between those kind of performances. And I think as well, just the the, the, the leadership and just, I think, how involved he was in the, in that sort of second half of the season. I wanted to give him a bit more, bit more recognition in terms of giving him a nine, because I think he was a massive, massive kind of catalyst in, in, in that turnaround and really in terms of that that defensive structure that we saw. So I do agree. I think if, if I was being a little bit more sensible in terms of the season, he's probably he's probably a, a fair eight, I would say, in terms of overall. Um, I've bumped him up a notch because I, I did love that stuff with Suarez and and the, the Amati stuff and all, all of the kind of stuff that he got involved with. As I say, I, I'm awarding kind of very dubious bonus points to players here. So he gets a little bit of a bonus point for some of his, uh, let's call it extracurricular activities on the pitch at times. I think that's a good thing to point out. I, look, it, you, to me, Nick, I was thinking you can only grade them when they played. To you know, Especially this season, Frank and Tuchel had such different opinions on players. You say, right. like, was Rudiger not good enough? Well, shit, when he came in, he looked good enough. Is it a player preference? Like, are you going to blame Tammy for not playing under Tuchel, even though he had a good run under Frank? It is a very Jekyll and Hyde season for so many players that it makes this so so complicated, you know, and difficult. Because if you're to take the first half score versus the second half score, everyone would probably be a five because they had either a great first half under Frank and were not existing under Tuchel, or, or vice versa on a lot of these players. So well, it, um, it also you makes know, and one of them like... right. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say like Kurt Zuma, a tale of two halves in this season was the first name on the team. She under Frank could not get minutes unless there was an injury or two uh, in the back under Tuchel. So I gave him a six, Dan with the seven tweeds and Nick, you both are the seven audience of 6.8. So again, we're all right in this. Dan, though, like what what is your take on Zuma? Well, Arizuma, right? He was great defensively in the kind of the set piece game, both on the defending as well as the attacking sense. He was one of our leading goal scorers for quite some period in the Premier League, which was only to be outdone by Jorginho. Um, so look, I mean, it's just a really uh, interesting season for him, uh, particularly with the whole switch to the, the back three kind of saw him uh, lose out. You know, he was a good deputy in times, um, but, you know, just seemed to be a little behind Rudiger, a little behind Silva and Christensen as that kind of central or the you know, Asby in that uh, that back three, which is, again, we, we didn't see that at the beginning of the season, right? We thought Zuma plus one was kind of the, the answer for a lot of this, and uh, it shifted pretty quickly. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer for him, but uh, I think he'll, you know, be happy to leave a, a Champions League winner if uh, that does in fact happen. Yeah, look, I mean, his goal contribution, like if we're going to give Werner all this credit for goal contributions, his from center back is pretty impressive. And yeah. he scored one of my favorite goals of the season with his bullet header. Um, I think it was Palace. Um, yeah. It, it, absolute, absolute monster. And look, he may not be best suited for a three right he may he may want to go somewhere where he can be one of two uh, and and that'll be a heartbreaking thing because i think we were robbed of some of his best because of a really terrible injury but i'm really proud of the way that he came back uh from that injury from a couple of loans and really played a couple of good seasons at chelsea uh, which is no no small feat one very small 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 thing on zuma i think for me he just comes across as such a phenomenal teammate all the young players love him. Whenever you see him involved in banter, you know he's the butt of the joke or he's having the joke. He always seems to be such a, a really nice guy. 
I think the one underrated moment I have from him this season, I think Rudiger was getting a bit of stick from a couple of Atletico players. He, he might have just fouled someone. And Zuma just sprints up from the back. Yep. And as soon as Zuma enters the frame, like there's like a dispersion of Atletico players. I always like the fact that he's one of the, the few players that, you know, if things do kick off, I think Zuma is, is A, always kind of one of the first ones there, always has his teammates back. And I think you can see certainly from how everyone interacts with him, he's one of the, the sort of more well-liked players at the club. And, you know, if he does leave this, this uh, summer, you know, I think he leaves as, as being a really, really top player for Chelsea. You know, he's won Premier Leagues. He's now got a European Cup under his name. He leaves with a lot of trophies. Um, but I think I agree with Nick that you know his his best days are being the enforcer in the back four. That is Kurt Zuma all day, every day. Um, and it, it depends. You know, if if Tuchel's switching formations next year, maybe he comes back into the conversation more. But I think he's had a solid year, scored some goals, and I said I think I gave him a seven based largely on the fact that I think he's been just a very useful player when he's played. Look, credit he made it into the French national team, and that is no easy feat uh, on on their level right now. Uh, next one up, we've got Reese James. I gave him a seven. I think I'm going to have to call myself out here. Dan with an yep. eight, Tweeds with an 8.5, Nick with an eight, and the audience going 8.3. Only reason I give him a seven. Um, he went from right back to right wing back. Uh, he's learning the role. Again, I think he ended on a high, you know, but he definitely had some ups and downs this season. We saw him disappear mm-hmm. for a little bit. and But I just want to, Kevin, say that's okay. He's young. He's learning. And again, the run he put together at the end of the season shows that he will be at an eight or better, most likely, for the next eight seasons. Yeah, uh, that's the whole point, right? A seven may seem low given the context that we just came from, but you have to look at the whole season. He... He did have struggles this year. So did Chilwell. So, you know, a bunch of players did that may impact their total score. But, I mean, it is so clear that he is going to be a star. Like, he already is a star, but he's he's going to grow and mature and be an even bigger star, maybe at the Euros this summer if he if he gets a run of games in. I mean, just like, I, I, think, I think there's a little bit of now, it's a little bit of refinement that's needed for him to get there. Uh, whereas right now he's he's kind of a a big raw block of clay that needs to be molded. But uh, good luck when he's on his game on any given day. Good luck moving him. I well, love that you're you're always playing. You know, it's not like he can always practice this, right? Like you you're playing in a live game. That is where you're doing the majority of your learning in his mm-hmm. profession, and so and all these players' professions. And so for him to make as few mistakes as he did. I think it's a testament to how quickly he picked it up. Look, there were were some big ones where he kind of got bypassed or got played around, and there were moments where he had to kind of rebound in match. And I think the resiliency is probably why I shaded a a, a touch higher, because I think as he was learning, even if there was a gaffe, like his ability to work through it and find the next phase of a solution was really impressive. Agreed. Yeah, I I mean... Gave him the the highest score, I think, of of the crew here. Um, I think that the reason I'm maybe half a point higher, and I know it's not a huge a huge amount in the grand scheme of things, but when I think of the big games this season that he played in, I think that he was one of the better players. And I think certainly the way he finished the season, those kind of performances in the bigger moments of big games, probably for me, in terms of, of my own kind of biases when I score people, I do give a lot of credit to people that turn up in big moments and big matches. And... I think Reese was probably, if you're looking at the whole season on reflection, probably between a seven and a half and an eight, I think is, is a fair score. Probably eight is, is fair. Um, but the little half a point, I think the way he ended the season is playing such a, 
I think, a really incredible level of, of performance in those big moments and in those big matches. FA Cup final, he's fantastic. He was great in the Champions League final. Uh, you know, the, the, the games that he played in, in the Champions League to the final, I think he was very good in as well. Um, so to see the, the young player who I agree with Nick, I think that there's still, and it's probably quite scary for people to, to realise that there's so much more that he can, he can do to get yeah. better. But to see him have those games in those big moments for me, that was the that was sort of the, the determining factor in giving him a little bit of a, a bit of a bump there. Totally fair. We won't wrap your knuckles for that one. Don't worry. Keep the ruler in the pocket for this one. <laughs> uh, ben Chilwell, uh, his counterpart on the other side, uh, I gave him a seven. Uh, Dan with the eight, Tweeds with the eight, Nick with the seven and a half. Um, again, I, I just had a little inconsistent. Also, learning left wing back ended very very strong. Um, I mean, Tweeds, we actually were, you know, very, we watched Chilwell in the Champions League final. He was, you know, on our side where the, the team yep. was defending. He ran everywhere. His commitment to defending and commitment to closing down and pressing was unbelievable. Um, I mean, it just a manager's dream. Where we've also seen him come up big are these goals. We've, yep. Chilwell, is learning from the Alonzo playbook that he can score and it's okay to get in the box and be in dangerous positions. Um, and, and he's starting to add that as well. I think the interesting thing for me is that if you go back to the beginning of the, of the season when we signed him, there was so much discussion about the transfer fee, too much to pay, it's, you know, English player tax, et cetera, et cetera. I think now at the end of the season, the way that he has finished it, um, I think he actually looks quite quite a bargain. When you're, you're thinking that um, Hakimi is being priced at like eighty million pounds by Inter Milan, Chilwell was half of that. I mean, it kind of puts it into into sort of context that forty five million or what it is that we pay for him. Yes, it's a lot of money for a fullback, but I think by the end of the season he was well worth value in in terms of that sort of money, and certainly for a player that is going to be at Chelsea for probably the rest of their career. Um, I just think that, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he started the season well, particularly in the back four. Um, kind of went a little bit kind of missing in, in sort of the mid part of the season. But again, I think I, I'm kind of, let's call it exit velocity. I'm giving a lot of credit to players here who were very integral in terms of how we finished the season. Um, and again, you know, when when I look at players and, and, and grade them and think about their contributions... He's another player who was absolutely exceptional in the biggest game in, in the football calendar. Um, you know, Mares was in such great form for for City, um, and the way that he he completely nullified him for ninety nine percent of the game was was exceptional. Was still getting forward, was the main outlet for the team, um, and I think I'm just really super happy for him to that that you know that his his form and his ability I think is now being recognised as being somebody who is more than good enough to play for this Chelsea side going forward. Uh, you know, the fact that last last season we were comparing him with, you know, Tagliafico and Regulon and all these other guys that people were wanting, I think it's pretty clear to me that now we have by far the best of the bunch and I think a guy that's going to be the best going forward for the next couple of years as well. So, you know, yeah, a lot of money to pay for him, but I think he's definitely shown that he's worth the money now and eight, maybe even a little bit higher if you're, if you're really taking into account in the last couple of weeks of the season. But I think a, an eight is fair and I think probably he could push uh, push a little bit higher for next season. I think the one thing that you call it too is that it actually his best goal contribution season as a professional. I mean, 11, which built upon his previous season at Leicester. And 
I think to everything that kind of Joe said, like I, I, I don't actually think we've seen his final form yet either, which is no. pretty special too. So I think we actually got out with a, a massive bargain. So uh, hopefully he's as uh, good as the other bargain that we got for Leicester City previously. I, I should uh, I should bump him up to an eight just for his drip alone. The the dude has style. The, I mean, like he just has he has style. I'm not sure about the sweater vest that Mason Mount was rocking the other day. Maybe that's a little a bridge too far for your boy here, but Chilwell has drip. Oh, and obviously Aspie trolling everybody on social right now too, which is great because what a he, captain. He he's what a next, captain. right? So Caesar Cesar Aspilacueta. We'll just call him Dave. Uh, I gave him a seven, Dan with an eight, Tweeds with a seven and a half, Nick with a seven and a half, audience saying 8.3. I guess I'm on the low end of the spectrum. To be fair, I thought he had a bit of a limited role. He did it really well. I'm only talking about his on-pitch performances, I think, as a captain. Uh, through the transition of managers, that's not easy. And I think we just saw how valuable he was towards the end of the season, Nick, where like it gets a little bit hairy, it gets a little bit tense. Tuchel relied on him a lot. And I think we really saw the leadership qualities come out of him that we haven't always seen, but this put him in a position he'd never been. And, and to be fair, he delivered on that. I, I know, I know he has doubters out there. Um, I, I understand why. Uh, but for me, if you think about every manager that he's played under at Chelsea, right. And, and he's played under a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because of Med's turnover here. They all trust him. They all like him. They all want him to be in the team. In some of the most crucial games this season, uh, he was selected at right wing back, uh, a position that I never thought I'd see him play again. Um, you know, he, he was selected at right back over Reese James at times this season, which shows me that he's not easily moved out of this team, even though we think Reese James is going to be levels and levels and levels someday. Um, he... There is no player that I felt better for hoisting the, the European Cup than Dave. And he, like, again, just think about this season as a capsule played for two different managers in two very different styles, right? Was there the entire time. You you could argue that maybe he's, his legs are not where they need to be and that perhaps he's kind of on the, on the downturn in his career. But he's a European champion. Shut the fuck up. Well, and... I just, and uh, uh, well, and, and I think to the point that you're making about, you know, we talked about like standing up and being accounted for. And, and, you know, look, not everyone is a John Terry in the way that they captain a team or captain a side. I mean, we've we've seen that Dave is maybe a little bit more quiet and reserved in terms of how he captains on the pitch. But uh, I, I don't think in any capacity has he ever shied away from the opportunity to be a, a leader in this side and in, in, in a Premier League, uh, probably, you know, <laughs> I mean, if, if we're going to give Jordan Henderson credit for being a great captain, um, I, I think Asby stands heads and shoulders above him in, in, in all capacities there and deserves, uh, I think, credit. I mean, to the point you also made too, Nick, uh, has had a lot of detractors, has had people who've had to do a 720 on their, uh, who, you know, their takes on him because it's been, I, I, why is Asby still on the team? Why is our captain? We should just throw the armband to somebody else. And, uh, you know, look, I think we talk a lot about who the future captain of this team might be, but I don't think we've ever talked about displacing Aspi, uh, for who he is and the leader that he is. Sorry to jump ahead of you, Joe. No, it's fine. I, I only wanted to just echo some, some of the stuff that Nick was saying, but also, uh, what you've been touching on there. There are two things I think which stand out about Aspi from from this season. 
The first is for me that I don't think I've ever seen a player who plays with such a consistent high level of effort. In the final, some of the blocks and some of the the, the tackles and and the just the effort to get into places that you know younger players would struggle to was absolutely incredible. And you know, talking to why, why managers select players, sometimes it's just having that mental capacity or, or um, you know desire and, and determination to get to places that other players just won't because they don't have that they don't have that edge. And the second thing as well, it's a little bit less kind of on the technical side of things, but. The, the trophy lift from Dave was one of the best ever. The little hop that he did when he jumped up with the trophy, it was like he was a little anime character. It was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so he gets he gets style points for me for doing, I think, one of the best trophy lifts as well. But the, the effort, I think, the, the heart and determination that he plays with, even if his legs are going a bit, even if he's not, you know, he's never going to be one of these players that people talks about, like a Marcelo or some sort of technical lunatic at fullback. But in terms of effort, desire, determination, maximising what you have as a player... I don't think there are many really sort of maybe in Chelsea's history that have really leveled themselves or maximised what they can do as a player. And again, as somebody that has, I think he's now won every single trophy possible with, with Chelsea, you know, in terms of, of things he's won. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing for a guy that we paid about £7 million for. You know, All right, he has we're to be gonna... one, of the, one of the best deals that we've ever had. Cor- correct. Like that, that is his claim to fame uh, and it doesn't diminish anything he's done. Um, you know, again, limited skill set right now, but the fact is he's reliable and does it so well, hard to really complain with them. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break. Uh, when we're back, we've got another, uh, I think like dozen players, both managers and the overall team. Uh, so plenty more, but, uh, real quick shout outs to Zachary, Gareth, Husker, Blue, Braxton, Alex, Gabriel, Benjamin, Cody, and Cote, uh, who all jumped on the monthly Patreon bandwagon and Frank who signed up for the year. Uh, hugely, hugely appreciate that. Um, Nick shirts, we have shirts, go, go buy shirts. Uh, not only because they look incredible and, and they'll make you 10 times sexier guaranteed. Uh, they, they're also, uh, doing some good as well. Uh, we're donating a portion of the proceeds, um, to common goals, anti-racism project, which is incredibly important and something near and dear to our hearts. And so, uh, you should just you should just do a good thing for you. Look sexy. Do a good thing for other people. Help them out. Come on, guys. It's no brainer. All right. Well, hey, we'll be right back. All right. Now we're gonna jump in to the midfield and the attacking players. All right. Defense is settled. Uh, grades have been delivered. Um, now we're gonna go to Mateo Kovacic. Um, I tweeds. Do I dare say that you gave him the highest score? And I, I can't believe yeah. that. To, to I, be I fair, <laughs> I say I, I had a six. Dan had a six. You had a six and a half. Nick had a six. The audience said six point nine. I I thought. I guess. I mean, you're no Gary Hayes who called him cul-de-sac. So he, my original score was a six, but when I remembered that he passed the ball into Mane's face, he got an extra half a point from me. So <laughs> I would say that I am probably on average, but in my very technical and obviously very logical scoring system. Um, the the little incident with Manny sort of bumped him up half a point there. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he to be honest, Kovacic kind of is what he is at this point in time. I think people that who really really rate him will always focus on that side of his game. People that are kind of less convinced will look at the some of the the really kind of sketchy moments that he had towards the end of the season and and point to those as kind of things that happened not not regularly but with 
with some sort of regularity in his game. Um, you know, for all of the quote-unquote press resistance, you know, a guy who has this much technical ability to not be able to play a simple pass in the final third, um, not be able to shoot, not be able to have the vision to, to play some of those passes. I think, you know, th this is largely what he is at this point in time. He is, um, you know, a good player to retain possession, to slow the game down, to, to make the tempo something that Chelsea can control and dictate. But in a team that lacks firepower and lacks attacking impetus, to have, most of the time, having two of those double sixes with absolutely zero ability in the final third, um, I think it hinders us. And I think Kovacic, for me, is he's probably one of the biggest culprits because I think technically he is so very, very good. You know, I would never deny that he is an excellent technical footballer. But it's almost like, you know, when you flip Buzz Lightyear into Spanish mode when he gets into the final third, you flip the Spanish mode and he just has absolutely no idea what's going on. But, you know, middle of the pitch, defensively, he's not too bad. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it, it was largely what we've seen of him so far in a Chelsea shirt. And, you know, as much as people will, will focus on the aesthetic side of his game, and he's, he is a very, very lovely player to watch. I just think that there is an argument to say that he is very sort of ineffective for somebody who has a very high technical ability. So, you know, for all of the source and all of the, the great dribbling and press resistance and, and nice flicks and tricks he does, I think he is quite an inefficient and probably quite an, in, in, an ineffective player at times. So yeah, six and a half from, from me. Yeah, definitely had some injuries. Uh, but again, he's probably more, to your point, a victim of our lack of any threat in the middle uh, with this system, especially when there's only a two. Uh, but super tidy, just needs an end product. N'Golo Kante, though, who you could also say doesn't have an end product, but what he doesn't have an ability to finish, Nick, he literally has like the rest of the player radar. Like, yeah, he has a gap, but he does everything else. He got the only 10 uh, on the on the entire score sheet today from me. Uh, I think while while you can make whatever argument you want, you can dock him a half point here or there if you if you were really being picky. He is the he should be the Ballon d'Or winner. He is the absolute best player in the world right now, and he is an absolute 10 for me. It just again, I had a nine, Dan nine and a half, Tweed's nine and a half, you had a ten. Like Case closed on this one. I think we can save our arguments for later. Uh, speaking of arguments, Jorginho is next. Um, <laughs> Dan, I couldn't have planned this any better. I had a six. You gave him a seven. Dan, uh, Tweeds gave him a seven. Nick gave him a seven and a half. And the audience said 7.1. Am I the dick with the six? I mean... Well, usually yes in most regards, Brendan. <laughs> um, but uh, seven, seven, 7.0 for seven goals, uh, you know? I mean, like, look, uh, you know, clearly had a better half of the season under Tuchel than he did versus uh, during the time that he did get some opportunities under Lampard. Um, look, he's, he's a very special type of player. Um, you know, he plays much better in Europe than he does in the Premier League. And so that is probably the biggest question mark heading into next season is if we're going to go after a Premier League, what does Jorginho's role look like uh, during most of our Premier League matches, particularly against sides that want to press us, that are going to block in and are not going to give us the latitude or time on the ball, which uh, he did enjoy versus uh, a couple of teams from Spain uh, or that region. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, I, I think he has haters. He has doubters. Um I think we have, and many times ourselves, doubted him as, as well, Joe. But I think in general, it is, you know, he 
he stood up and was accounted for just like everybody else and is a European champion. So you can't, you can't go too low. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, my score of seven, I think maybe there are some people that have sort of picking themselves up off the floor because he wasn't like a three or four. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, my, my criticism of Jorginho has always been about, I think domestically, I just, I just don't think that he is good enough for Chelsea to win a Premier League title. So I kind of scored this on on him like a five and a half, six in the Premier League and like an eight, eight and a half in Europe. Because for as much as he is, I think, pressed and pressurised and he is out-muscled and, you know, he has been at heart of, of the Chelsea midfield now for coming on three seasons where we have been absolutely nowhere in, in the Premier League. And as much as I want to be positive and look at the European Cup, it's difficult to ignore the fact that, you know, we've kind of moved into a midfield now that has less physical players, very specialised players, and we have kind of absolutely fallen off a cliff in terms of being close to, to the champions. On the flip side, and to be positive about him, I think in Europe specifically, he has been very, very good this season. Um, you know, the ability, I think, to slow the game down to, I think, really act as a good foil for Kante. I think that that sort of tandem works really well. Um, and the thing is, as well, is as much as I, I'm not a fan of him, the fact that I think he, he had a very good game in the European Cup final, it, it, does, it does bump up the score for me. So, you know, I think going into next year, if he, again, is a, is a major starter in the Premier League, I would be very surprised if Chelsea... Um, close the gap on City or win or win a league title. I just I'm just not convinced by him as a as a Premier League footballer. However, you know for for being balanced and actually trying to give him a bit of praise instead of hammering all the time. I think in Europe this season in the right system, you know the right setup, having the right protection, you know we saw that the, the usefulness of him. And I think he actually had some very good games in Europe. Um, and it just shows you that maybe this is a player who is you know he is used to European football, the tempo, the style of play. Uh, the tactics that suited him and I mean as well I mean I'm, I'm not going to ignore the fact that I think maybe I could probably play well you know if I was partnered with N'Golo Kante at 34 um, so I mean that, that that does come into it but I want to give him a bit of praise here because I, I am often quite critical of him so I, I will acknowledge certainly in Europe this season I did think that he he played well and played well in big games and played well against good opponents um, and really I think his his kind of partnership with Kante was I think good um, in terms of the way that Chelsea was structured and how we were trying to play. Doesn't excuse the fact that, again, domestically, some really, really big headline mistakes in big matches towards the end of the season. Um, clearly can't, cannot play as a lone number six in the Premier League, clearly needs to play in a two. Um, but I wanted to just even out my perception of him in Europe, which I think I'd, I'd even go as, as high to say eight and a half in terms of how he played versus maybe the five and a half, six that I would lean to in the Premier League. So I, I tried to go down the middle in terms yeah. of my, in my scoring there. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a fair, uh, you know, there's definitely a Champions League boost. And I think a lot of these players, yeah. which, you know, it's I, I think, do, do you credit them or do you try to take it out of the way? They yes, and, it, exactly. Nick, to the point is they showed up in a in the biggest of big games and delivered. So it's like, hey, that should be worth something. So I get it. Uh, Callum hudson Adoy, uh, we gave him sixes. Nick gave him six and a half. Audience was six point four. Uh, you know, again, very bright spots in limited minutes. I think it's probably his best season so far. I'm excited to see him keep building. Rumors, you know, I, I just, I just want to see more Nick, especially in that attacking three area. He looked good at wing back, but that's no longer an issue. Reese has locked that up. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, right? Like he kind of feels like the odd man out right now um, of that attacking set up and 
you know, I think there are plenty of stats to suggest that when he plays, he's dynamic and and really you know, contributes a lot to the team. Um, I want to see him play, but it's at the same point, like he has to beat out a lot of players to get there. And I, you know, so far hasn't consistently done that. So I think this is, this is a guy who is still super young, is dynamic, is talented and has a huge future. If he can really start to chip away in training at, at some of the, you know, there, there, there is no reason that he shouldn't be a really big player for Chelsea. Right. Uh, he, he's, he has everything in his toolbox. Right. 20 years old. The only problem is you've got Reese James excelling at a young age as well. So he's probably like, ah, Havertz, Pulisic, Werner, yeah. all these guys in front of him. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying he's also, if you're saying he's a young guy, he's also going, but there's also other young guys playing all the time. So it, yeah, it, he's, he needs a run, but it's crowded in the attacking areas. Mason Mount. Look, you guys are making me look silly. I don't really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we got the audience giving him a 9.6. I don't know what the audience gave Angolo Conte, but that's by far the highest we've seen. It was also, also 9.6, yeah. Okay, so uh, co-players of the year, apparently. Nick gave him a 9, said player of the season, leader, and chap. Tweeds with a 9.5, Dan with a 9.5. Again, I kept it to integers, people, all right? I gave him an 8. I said, Conte is the standard. The only thing missing is goals from Mason's Mason's box of, of tricks here. He had some big goals. 18 goal contributions? He had some big goals, big games. Stood up and was he, accounted he also, for. The, he had that stat where only, only Lionel Messi created more chances than him yeah. in, in football this season. Saw that. It's one of those things where I think where you judge creativity on an assist total rather than maybe other metrics that are probably a little bit better. If he had a better striker or better, better shooters... I think those numbers would have looked a lot, lot better. But nine and a half for me was, was I think he is probably one of maybe less than a handful of players this season who was good under Lampard. You know, had had a few little up and downs of the season, but I think mostly probably the most consistent player through the whole season. And again, when we're talking about, you know, giving maybe a little bit more credit to players who really kind of stood up in big moments, the, the assist in the final, the goal against Real Madrid, you know, the, the, the performances he had in the Champions League. Um yeah, I mean, he, he he is by far, I think, one of the one of the best players at the club now, and I think that's reflected in in the scores that people have given him. I audited myself, and so I gave Rudiger and uh, Silva eights as well, and I gave Conte and Mendy nines. So I guess you know where I stand. I love Mason. Don't don't ever don't ever question that. Uh, Hakim Ziyech, I gave him a five. Dan followed. Tweets followed. Nick. Giving him the love with the six, but the audience had a six point one. So I mean, Nick, you and the audience going with the sixes. What did you guys see? Uh, mostly credit for the two crucial goals against City in the FA Cup final and in the league. Um, I, you know, I think knowing how the league ended up, <laughs> right, and that we uh, tripped and fell and and barely made it over. That goal against City was massive and should get credit for that. And, you know, again, I think we all want to see more from him. I don't think a six is where he wants to be in this. And you know, I'm sure he's really listening to the show and taking this to heart. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think it's harsh to give him a five. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I think if you want to say it's harsh, I mean, I think the way that maybe it was a little is that, you know, he 
had one of the more interesting off seasons heading into the Premier League season. The Itavise ended their football early due to, to COVID, right? And so he came off of not playing for a longer period of time than some of the other players. Uh, what I will say is, and, and, you know, he did enter the season injured for us. Um, but in terms of his goal contributions, um, I mean, it is, it is worse season since 2016, 2017. Um, and I mean, look, if you're, you're buying a player to come in as the experienced pro, uh, I mean, he hit 18 goals, 17 assists the prior season, 10 and 16 the season before that, uh, nine and 15 the season prior. And this was a six and four. Um, it just, uh, frankly went, went absent during a, a fair number of games this season. And, uh, I, I just, I, I was expecting a lot more. I'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised that, uh, this was the, the ZS we ended up with. I think they said he created like the most chances in like the top five or six leagues in like the last three seasons. There was like a lot of stats that like he was going to create. And look, we experienced it in the Champions League as well. I mean, he just dropped dimes on us and and we just seen it. So I'm going to hope that it was a transition period into the Premier League and next season he'll be much more, you know, settled in, in, in feeling better. Uh, next one up, Kai Havertz. I gave him a seven, Dan with a seven and a half, Tweeds with an eight, Nick in a seven and a half, audience going 7.3. So, so we're all pretty there. You know, I, I said he shifted around in a lot of different positions, but I thought he handled it well. Uh, obviously ended the season extremely strong, um, after recovering from COVID and everything. So again, I think that a, a seven is just because he had a rough season again, ending on the high. Um, I mean, Tweeds eight for you. Is it just all comes down to the Champions League final? He he was a seven. He got half a point for the performance against Real Madrid, where I think that was when we started to see, like, a con- in a consistent stretch in a game, the the kind of the swagger and the sort of the arrogance that I want to see out of him. And then he got another extra half a point for obviously the goal in the final. And I think as well in the final, A, I think he had a very good game. But also for, for players that, I think if you don't know him, you'd label him as a luxury player. The amount of running he did in that game, pressing, the amount of defensive work, the amount of times he he was trying to stretch City to run the channels, to, to come short, to go long. Um, I think that was a, that went a little bit under the radar. But yeah, I think between a seven and an eight, I think is is fair. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to, I think that he he did have some, some very big performances and very strong performances against better teams in big moments. I think that's maybe why you're not looking so much at the goals and assists for him, but the performances that you're putting in those. Um, but yeah, he definitely has a little bit of a UCL bump for me, certainly the Madrid game and, and definitely the, the final. But I think, yeah, positive season, given everything that happened to him, certainly the whole COVID stuff, moving in a pandemic, no preseason, all of the things that we've mentioned mentioned previously, but to end strong. And I think, uh, I can't remember who said it on the previous episode, but the trajectory that he he's left this season with the way that he is, is pointing and, and really trending upwards, I think that is a, a huge positive going into into next season. All right, uh, kind of out of the. I mean, I guess Kai probably took us into the the attackers. Um, he's a hybrid player, but Timo Werner, I gave him a seven. Dan six and a half. Tweed six. Nick seven. Uh, audience gave him a six point eight. I mean, Nick, I think you probably talked about Timo the most this season. So silly me if I were to not let you talk about him again. I rated him higher than Dan. That's fucking crazy. That is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, he did, like, if, if I'm going to give Mason credit for goal contributions, I'll, I have to be fair and carry that thread through for, for Timo. He just didn't have the finish. I mean, flat out. I, like, 
that that was not the season we were expecting from Timo Werner. We were not expecting an assister. We were expecting a goal scorer. And you know, all, all goals count, but we pay we pay Timo Werner to do one job, and that job is not running around and pressing, uh, which I think kind of became his default position at the end. So it's a it's a kind seven. It's a seven with the hopes that. He hears my dulcet tones and says, "You know what? I'm going to go do it for Nick next season. You know, I'm going to really, I'm going to really try that extra bit. But uh, we'll see. I, like I, here, the problem that I have with Werner though is if he doesn't do it next year, you have to th- think about moving him on. Because Let, well, let's let's not play that hypothetical <sighs> too soon. You do too like, too soon. Dan, yeah, you got a six and a half. Yeah, you had a six and a half. You and Tweeds on the on the six bandwagon. Uh, again, yeah, kind of surprised that you came in under under Nick. Yeah, just some of the the interesting offsides, the you know, <laughs> kind of that that really crept in at the the tail end of the season here. Um, uh, it's just uh, celebrating a goal that got ruled off um, almost assuredly, which was very interesting. Just just a really a really off season. Um, I think again, uh, lots of yeah, you know, there were a lot of positives in how he really challenge defenders um, to and pull them out of position like that goal in the final doesn't happen if he does not pull the, you know, he was not pulling the defenders on strings and I think that there is definitely a scenario if let's say we get a Lukaku or a Holland next season and he can partner off somebody man that would be an absolute delight but uh, you know, him not having to be the main guy for a little bit I think would do wonders for this confidence and, and help him and maybe excel to a new level and help Brandon win some bets next season. Yeah, mm. really, really failed me on that one. Uh, Olivier Giroud, I gave him a six. Dan with the six and a half. Tweeds with the six and a half. Nick with the seven. Audience coming in at a 6.8. I think we were talking before one of the calls uh, about Olivier Giroud, and I got absolutely dogpiled on by by you two. Uh, I think I had said something about how he was ineffective, and Nick just came in with a stat came in hard and again for Nick to come in hard with the stat I thought was hilarious but Dan you two apparently in cahoots yeah I mean look you know he came in he you know had a four goal game uh, which I think maybe helps his stats a little bit in this regard uh, didn't look as strong in, in the Premier League opportunities that he did get this season um, compared to maybe Tammy but again the, his goals were critical in helping us get to the the final. Um, if he, you know, obviously his contract was extended. If he does end up staying for another season, he's a great leader, a great clubhouse individual to have in the team. Understands what a winning philosophy is. Can, you know, maybe we can help him win a Premier League title as well. Like we'd love to help uh, Olivier Giroud complete his uh, collection of trophy stones, as it were, um, with his time at Chelsea. Uh, I love rubbing things in Arsenal fans' faces, so that would be great. 11 goals in 1,200 minutes. Decent. For a guy who played very, very, very off and on. Like, there was no rhyme or rhythm to his appearances this season. You know, and was counted upon in big Champions League matches, was counted upon uh, when he scored against Leeds earlier in the season when we were top of the table for 12 minutes. Uh, there was, there's a lot to like about Olivier Giroud, and I'm so glad he's a European champion. All right, Tammy Abraham. Uh, I said I gave him a six. Dan with a seven. Tweets with a seven. Nick with a six and a half. Audience giving him a six point two. 
I said, sadly, a season of regression for Tammy. Next up is a loan to regain confidence. Um, Tweeds, you gave him a seven, so you're on the high end of our scale. Uh, how did you view Tammy's year? Yeah, I think again he's another player that I think he, you know, in terms of of non penalty goals, I think he led the led the club. I think again, I, I, might, I might be misquoting Chelsea youth here, but uh, I just think that he was kind of unfairly sort of dismissed from from sort of the the squads and the setups. And you know, I think for a, a player that has, I think certainly shown that he can score in the Premier League, the fact that he wasn't used, particularly when we were going through patches where it looked like we couldn't buy a goal at times. Um, it was tricky, but in terms of his individual performances, I think you know his his goals return was was decent. Um, yeah, I think you know I think I'd give him sort of fairly kind of averageish his score there. Maybe there's the seven, probably probably more a six. I, I maybe I would I kind of maybe agree with you, Brandon, in that respect. But I just gave him an extra point because I think he looked uh, he looked particularly happy when he was celebrating the Champions League, and that's important. Nick. It's almost as if Tammy was Mason's son or Frank's son, not Mason, and we got it all wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's the most puzzling part of the season. I mean, him and Fakayo are the most puzzling parts of the season for me. Because we didn't bang in the goals this season. Yeah, I mean, it's not <laughs> as if, it's not as if this team was just on fire scoring goals. And I think in the final third, he's still, you know, Kai might be creeping up here, but like he's still the best finisher from uh, that we have from a striking perspective he would have benefited i think as a poacher in this system at, at the end of the year perhaps got us a couple more goals so uh, just the last word uh, i'm incredible like he, he's likely going to move on right it's the the way it's trending right now i'm incredibly proud of his contributions to chelsea football club um and and a last note around around him is fuck the haters go do it tammy Seems, I mean, I, I don't know anyone who'd wish nothing but success for Tammy, and, and hopefully he can still do it at Chelsea. Um, Christian Pulisic is the last player that we've got here today. I gave him a five, which might surprise some people. Dan gave him a five, which might surprise some people. Tweeds gave him a five and a half, which won't surprise some people. And uh, the fact that Nick gave him the highest score will not surprise people, but it was only a six and the audience had him in a 6.7. Nick, I'll kick it off with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, my blurb here is uh, from a from a follow-on to the way he ended last season, obviously got hurt in the FA Cup final. He had a really poor season by his standards, I think. Um, we all see the potential in him. He did not capitalize on that potential very often this season. I think probably in the in the run into the Champions League final played his best ball, but certainly not where I thought he would be. Lost the ball a lot this year. Looked really um, looked really down at points this year. Looked really frustrated, I think, with his own body, uh, not not maybe helping him out. And and look, I, I mean, missed a really crucial goal in the final. I have to ding him for that. Like, I, obviously, it didn't end up costing us, right? We ended up winning, but he he really should have put that away. So I'm looking for him to have a huge bounce back next season. I think he's clearly still our most aggressive attacker when he has the ball. I think he can still make shit happen. But uh, this was not the season that I thought he was going to have by any means. I do also kind of throw in the fact that if you're going to wear the number 10, Joe, I think that that means mm -hmm. something and, and you have to deliver 
I'm not comparing him to Eden Hazard at all. I'm just the number 10 jersey means something. Yeah, I mean, I think I scored him low. And I think that this maybe is a reflection of, of how I see Christian in general. But I had huge expectations for him this season. Huge, huge expectations. The way that he finished the back end of last season, I felt like that he was poised to take the next step to be this consistent menace, goal threat, you know, capable of beating players and actually capable of, of almost becoming Chelsea's talisman. So the score that I've given him is almost a reflection that that, that really hasn't happened. And I think that the, the thing that has concerned me is that in a team where I think at times we've lacked so much quality in the final third, that he struggled to beat out Timo Werner, to, to beat out Ziyech, uh, Havertz at times. Um, that that concerns me, that, that Tuchel, who knows him well, um, you know, hasn't necessarily given him the opportunities ahead of players who have, I think as well, been underwhelming for, for stretches. So, you know, this maybe is, is a bit of a harsher rating than, or maybe more of a serious rating than others. But I do have... Um, yeah, I, I have expectations for Christian to be one of our better players. And I think this season, I think Nick's point is is probably for me the most notable thing. I've never seen him lose the ball this much. You know, when, and in particularly in games where we've needed someone to hold the ball up or to win a free kick or to, you know, in, in those last 10, 15 minutes of a game, you know, the fact that he's getting bumped off the ball so easily and not even able to buy a foul is inviting pressure on us. And I, I, I hope that whatever kind of steps he needs to take to improve his his sort of uh, condition, whether it's to do with his, you know, physical kind of fitness or to do with his injury prevention or, or whatever he, need, he does need to need to do to be physically ready. Because I think the big dip this season for me, when I've really analysed him, is I just don't think his condition is, is what it was the back end of, of last season. I think for him to be at his best, he needs to be as close to physically fit as possible. Um, all of the little injuries that he kept picking up, the hamstring problems, the, 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 you know, the missing large portions of games. I think he needs to figure out whether it's with his, his, his father or with the, with the coaching staff, some sort of protocol that he can follow where he, he can build himself up. Because I think, again, if you can get him playing at the level he was the back end of last season, that adds such an enormous amount of, of attacking impetus that we that we lack at the moment to the team. But right now, he, he just seems a complete shadow of the player that he he was and that he, he can and sh- probably should be at some point in his career. So, yeah, maybe a slightly harsher rating, but I think that reflects more on the fact that I think Christian should be one of Chelsea's best players and should be one of the talismans, uh, talismanic figures within this squad. And this season, you know, the fact that he's been beaten out by Timo, who at times, you know, had gone through stretches where he looked like he couldn't control a football Ziyech, who, who didn't even turn up in some games. That that does concern me that he hasn't been able to oust them even when he when he has been fit. So, you know, get get whatever, you know, strength and conditioning thing he needs to get sorted over the summer, build himself up if he needs to add a bit of muscle or whatever it might be. Um, but I want to see him fit because I think, again, when he's fit, he's... He's one of our better players and, and he's shown that. I don't want that, you know, post, post-lockdown period to be this sort of, you know, purple patch or kind of, you know, inverted purple patch or bright spot that, you know, he's only ever played well consistently in those minutes. I think he has that potential to do that for longer periods, but he has to be physically fit for me. So five and a half, you know, I think I, I gave him an extra uh, 0.5 for the goal against Real Madrid. I think that was that was really well taken. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think he's he needs to improve next season. I think a lot of that will come down to, to the conditioning aspect. I hope so. Obviously, he had the the big injury stretch too, which didn't yep. didn't help him. But both managers left him out at times that you maybe would have been surprised about. So I think that's a, a bit of a concern. 
All right, on to the managers, because this is Chelsea, and we tend to have seasons with managers in them. Uh, obviously, the first one being Frank Lampard. I gave him a six. Dan gave him a six. Tweed, six and a half. Nick, six. Audience with a 6.4. Look, I tried not to copy everyone else, Dan, but six just seemed like the right number with the highs and the lows. He yeah. had a, a long, unbeaten stretch, and then we had a, a bad stretch, and... It just we we but then but then we blitzed the Champions League group stage and I don't I don't know right it just seemed like six was the right number. To be fair, I, I do think we got a, a very kind group league uh, group stage draw uh, compared to some of the other teams in the Champions League this season. Uh, but I, I think that that is the way that I thought about it is. It also wasn't super comfortable at times. Like if you if you go back and look at the. The draws against teams that you didn't necessarily think like a South draw against Southampton, the draw against West Brom early in the season, um, integrating these attackers into the side. And, and I think that maybe was a little bit of the downfall is that, you know, you try to bring in six new signings and figure out how to get them running immediately. And oh, by the way, they're not already right away. And having this cascading set of problems and trying to manage it, I think it, you know, came down to a lot of personnel uh, type of situations too, trying to maximize appropriately. And I think Frank gets a lot of credit for uh, how he executed in the group stage on helping to grow some of our young players, building that bridge between the academy and the first team and getting that stood up and bringing like the likes of Mason and Reese James and Tammy Abraham into this team. But then also the weird decisions for like why Fakayo Tomori is now going to be an AC Milan player it is solely a Frank thing. And so I, I think these are things that just as a confluence of everything, I kind of just sat down and like, what, what is the number I would give it? And, and six just, just felt right. Uh, it seems, seems to be pretty consistent a- across the board. Um, then stepped in Thomas Tuchel, now European champion, uh, Thomas Tuchel, nine from me, nine from Dan, nine from tweets, nine for Nick audience going 9.5. Uh, Nick, the people have spoken. I mean, how do you not give him damn near a 10? The only reason is because we probably lost the FA cup and we're gifted top four again. I mean, those are really the only marks against them. Yeah, I, I think I I downgrade him a little bit for his Tammy Abraham decision, just like Dan did with with Frank for for Kyo. And I think the FA Cup final definitely factors in. I mean, his his comments about the club needing to finish top four aren't wrong, but to say that right after losing a final, which was an incredibly disappointing performance, didn't it? You just didn't need to say it. And, and I think it was one of the very few missteps that he's had um, in the in the press. Um, Although I'm sure he was kind of feeling the heat from everybody and just needed to say like, hey, you know, if, if I had my druthers, I'd win them all. But, you know, we have to we have to look at top four first. So, yeah, I mean, otherwise, though, um, I know I led with the negatives. Uh, his performance this in, in 19 Premier League matches in 10 Champions League matches, I think, and or nine, whatever it was. Um, and, and the FA Cup run was outstanding. His defensive solidity and organization were tremendous. The ability to start to get the best out of some of our players was was world class. And he deserves every plaudit and, and every dollar that gets backed up in the Brinks truck towards his house. I mean, he is uh, he, he's earned it. Joe, um, you're going to touch on Tuchel here before we get to the season as a whole. 
Yeah, I mean, the only real kind of knock on, on Tuchel for me was was some of the domestic stuff that we saw. Um, you know, West Brom, Arsenal, I think some of the draws that we had, you questioned a little bit at times whether Chelsea needed to go into some of these games with seven defensive players on the pitch, you know, attacking with three. There, I think there are, I think, some questionable choices in these games. And maybe it's a little bit easier to say after the fact that, you know, maybe maybe we could look at uh, being a little bit more attack-minded against some of these sides. Um but, I mean, when you're looking at sort of meeting his objectives, it was to, to finish in the top four. Um, and he was about as perfect as you can be in, in the Champions League. You know, he was, you know, if, if this was a, a grade on the Champions League, he's probably an 11 out of 10. I think he actually played that to about as close to perfection as you're ever going to see. Um, the only thing that I have is said in, term, in terms of his game model, and I think we will see hopefully something that changes next season, the balance of risk-reward, the... the the strategy to completely kind of cocoon the midfield and, and have this kind of five and two sort of setup in terms of how we played some teams. Um, that's the only thing at the moment that I think is giving me, you know, some reservations about, not, not they're not big reservations, I should say. They're, they're more kind of questions or points of intrigue going into next season. Um, FA Cup final loss was was a big one for me as well. I thought certainly that you, you, you try and win a final, you know, in terms of, of going into that game, you, you play your best team, you know, you've just beaten City in a semi, you render that performance and result completely null and void by going into the final and not necessarily playing the best team. Um, so that the one point deduction from being a perfect scorer is probably the FA Cup and just some of this um, sort of inconsistencies and maybe a little bit too negative and defensive kind of team selections in some games domestically. But I do hope that going forward, certainly going into next year, those are things that we can we can change with with some recruitment. I'm so glad you said the word semi as we get ready to wrap this season. Semi. Um, it's been an enjoyable season. All right. Last last up is the season overall. All right. I had eight and a half. Dan had a nine. Tweeds with an eight and a half. Nick with an eight. The audience giving it a nine. It's very strong scores. Nick. I guess we'll start at the bottom and work our way up. <laughs> start from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, uh, look, I, my, my point on the eight, which I, I guess seems harsh given the 0. 0.5 and, and one point uh, boost that you guys gave, uh, is there is too much inconsistency for a squad with this much talent. Uh, you finish 19 points off City in the league. You shit the FA Cup final. But, you know, of course, the, the Champions League final is everything. Um, just think about the amount of drama that happened as well in this season, right? European Super League, uh, players distracted by offers to maybe move abroad, uh, manager sackings, all this other stuff, COVID, no fans. Um, the fact that they won the Champions League final is a massive deal and, and will be celebrated rightfully so for forever. Um, but I think if, I, if I'm being as critical as I normally am, I think an eight's the right score. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of sense in there as well. Um, I Thanks. think, <laughs> you know, I was, I was kind of thinking about that. You know, we also had a lot of signings, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, that they had to bet in. So I think between that, you know, having to figure it out, the managers, like you said, and and a condensed season playing essentially every three three days. Um, I gave it an eight and a half because I said we got it to two finals. We won the European Cup. Top four means we did the business on paper, but I think there's still plenty of work to do when it comes to the eye test for this team. Uh, those inconsistent results being like a big part of that as well. Tweeds, my fellow eight and a halfer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I 
very, very simple way of scoring this. I started at a 10 with the Champions League. Um, I took I took half a point off. I took this as the season. I took Chelsea's involvement in the European Super League. I took half a point off for that because that, that was a very kind of sour note, I think, for the season. Um, I took half a point off for the, for the FA Cup final um, and then the final half a point again. Anyone who knows me will know that I place a massive amount of emphasis on how Chelsea do domestically. I think Champions League is incredible, but it's a knockout competition. You can play a certain style of football. You know, it's it's not really, a, I think, an indictment of the quality of the overall team, like a 38-game season is. And the fact that, again, we are so far off the champions is, for me, was was worthy of another, you know, another uh, half a point being docked off there. You know, this is the fourth season in a row now that we have finished double digits away from the champions. I think it's like 19 points, you know, 30-odd points in some cases. I want to see the club close that close that gap to City. That for me is when you talk about the eye test for the squad and you talk about the talent finishing 19 points off City, regardless of the managerial changes and all that sort of stuff. You know, when since Tuchel's been here, I still think we're seven points off City in terms of the, that half of the season. So it's still trending in the wrong direction. Um, I want the club to focus on on being better domestically because that that is always the the te- the, the kind of the benchmark for me as a Chelsea fan in in, in how I. Um, perceive the quality of the team so half a point off uh, for finishing you know 19 points behind Manchester City yes we beat them three times but they still finished 19 points ahead of us that's you know going into next season you're looking for six wins which is pretty difficult to to try and do to catch up to to, to a team so half I, a I point can get for that, you four half... I can get you four pretty easy two against Arsenal and two against West Brom like <laughs> yeah very true well yeah okay so yeah, yeah maybe 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 it's not all too bad but uh yeah, it, it, it was just th- those three things to me were the only things really stopping it from being perfect. On, on, and on an emotional level, it, it's like a 15 out of 10. That well, final, the way they played, the way it happened was just <laughs> incredible. Well, are you going to take half a point out for losing to Spurs in the Carabao Cup? I might have to bump it down to an 8 then. <laughs> we forgot about that on purpose. Oh, man. All right, Dan, 9.0, Mr. Top of the Table. Look, why not us became us, us, us. Look, the season ended perfectly. We bowed it. We were there. I mean, the Super League stuff was terrible. Sacking Frank is awful. All the signings not executing appropriately. But you, nine years later, you win the Champions League again in a season that you weren't anticipating to do so. And you looked comfortable doing it throughout the process while embedding a new manager, while bringing along the island of misfit toys players that you know had been cast away and build them back up like there's too much good like there this is a storyline that will be cut and could be put into a movie it could be a a 30 for 30 it could be a a little pod series that we do as a group you know five six seven ten years down the line on the anniversary of Uh, it's just yeah i don't know um we're european champions like come on like it, it, it yeah has has to be a very high score I think I think there's probably gonna be a lot of people out there saying, I'm sorry, we won the European Cup. It's a 10, you idiots. Sure. I get that, right? The the emotional high from winning it. Um, but again, trying to take everything in totality, trying to to bring it all together. Hell of a season, no doubt whatsoever. Um, super excited of I think not only how it ended for the most part, but where we know it can go. I think we all feel good about the trajectory of this team. I think everyone said, you know, winning the Champions League back in 2012 was the end of an era. This very much feels like the beginning of an era. And I know that that phrase has been used over and over and over and over. But it 
it, it rings true. So uh, with that being said, this is our wrap of our season in review. All right. We've done the player ratings. We've done the awards. Uh, that only means one thing that's next on our summer calendar. Dan, the, the, the people are excited to hear it. Keep alone. That's Keeps right. Alone. It's going to be back. Obviously, Tweeds has already signed the commitment letter to be there. So we're looking forward to that. Um, again, uh, more and more episodes. I think we might have an exciting one coming at you guys later in the week as well. Uh, it, it should, it'll be a surprise, but I think once you see it, it won't be a bit of a surprise. So, uh, looking forward to recording some additional content that's not always in our lineup. So anyways, uh, tweets. Thanks a lot, sir. As always, uh, a great addition to the team. Yeah, it's been really, really fun. Um, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to people seeing that I haven't graded Jorginho at like a minus seven. I think that, that reaction is what I'm most looking forward to from this. Yeah. Well, what no, do you think Phil is going to say? Like, I, I, uh, Chelsea youth, as we talk about Phil, but uh, he's, uh, he'll he be disappointed. Be he'll be disappointed in Joe. <laughs> it, it, it's mostly just to stop the backlash on social media. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, hey, Chelsea fans, that's going to wrap us up again. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you agreed with and disagreed with. Uh, obviously, a lot of subjectivity in all of this, uh, but we hope you, you enjoyed it, at least for entertainment value. So that's going to wrap us up. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Keep the blue flag flying high.